do a pretty solid review before we get into what we're, what we're going to have this morning. Um, and because uh, I think not everybody was here, maybe heard the message. And so I want to do a good solid review and then we'll step into what we have now. But this, what I'm sharing with you, I've been studying for weeks and um, it's a real paradigm shift in me. Um, I mean, you know, no one, no one has arrived, right? We're all learning and uh, never, never stop being a student in the kingdom of God. Stay a student, man, because uh, no, one, no one has ever mastered understanding God. And if someone claims to have, then they're, they're, they're wrong, and they don't understand. We will always, you know, if those four living creatures, if those four creatures, the cherubim that are in the throne room, they're flying around singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and every time they come around the corner, they see God, a new facet of who God is, and they've been doing this since the beginning of time, how much more us with our little finite minds, right? And so God's so big and so majestic and so powerful that there is always more to understand about who he is. And, and so this became a, a real, what I'm sharing with you became a real paradigm shift in me. And, you know, I don't just want to give you head knowledge. I want to give you something that's like operative in my heart. I want to share my life with you. And so I've been bringing this into my life. My wife knows I've been taking time and been studying this because I think that this paradigm shift is going to help bring not only us out of legalism, but also just the body of Christ. Because um, legalism has really marred what Christianity is. Um, and and, and I, I'll, I'll say it to you, and it's made it unattractive, and it's made it... How I many of oh, Jesus is beautiful? Like, God is attractive. He's beautiful. Man, you look at Jesus. If you've seen Jesus, you fall in love. You know, and I was an atheist for 19 years, and I didn't see Jesus. I saw what people represented as Jesus, and I rejected it. Because it looked like hypocrisy and self-righteousness and judgment to me. And I thought, I don't want that. I don't need more rules in my life. And, and, um, but once I finally beheld the one who made me and began to see him, then slowly all my rebellion began to, to wash away and I fell in love. You know, And I'm here today because of the one who saved me because I've started to see Jesus, right? And so you know, the, the message of, of legalism and moralism is not really the message of the gospel um, uh, what, what they say is that, that I mean, see if I, this is my own quote and I'm trying to remember how to say it right. Morality does not lead to forgiveness. Forgiveness leads to morality. It's the, and, and that simple nutshell statement is the difference between life and death. We're not trying to be good enough to be forgiven. Okay? It's not how this works. You know, I, I was a drug addict alcoholic, atheist, lying, cheating, awful human being, like, I couldn't be good. I was really bad at being good. And God was like, I'll take you. <laughs> I'll take you, you know. I feel emotional today. I feel like I'm going to cry all, all, all sermon, but it's okay. As long as I can continue to talk, it'll be good. But I, it's not about being good. It's about being alive. See, God didn't take... Uh, uh, God didn't come to this bad man and make him a good man. God came to a dead man and made me alive. And now that I'm alive, there's goodness flowing out of me and my life is different and morality's happening in my life, but it's not because of my willpower or my strength or me qualifying for anything. It's just that the life of God is in me and as I stay connected to the vine, fruit comes out of my life. You know, and, and honestly, it's really not, I, it's not really that much about me. You know, it's, it's more just making sure I stay connected to the vine, right? And the way we stay connected to the vine is we continue to hear that we're loved and forgiven and we hear the gospel and that keeps us connected. Condemnation is what disconnects you uh, and it's a lie. And so, but anyway, all that being said, this paradigm of understanding, you know, the, the, the passage in Deuteronomy 30, you don't have to turn there, stay where you're at. But God, this, this, I feel like this statement is kind of like God's statement to all of creation has always been that way. I set before you life and death. Choose life. I mean, you know, the, the, in the garden, it was the same way. Like, you know, God says, we've got the tree of life. We've got the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You eat this tree, you're going to die. You know, nobody ever ate the tree of life. But he, he presented to them those options, right? Well, today it's the same way. It's not about being good and being bad. It's not about morality. It's about life and death. Amen. And I'm and so 
I am changing the way I view things, and I'm going to change the way I present things. Um, because so many times, you know, when we talk to people, we talk about, you know, well, you need to act better. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. You know, I've been ministering to the young people and stuff like that, and I'm just telling them, like, you know, when, when you touch sin, it's death. It kills, man. And, and uh, it doesn't bring life. It doesn't bring happiness. It doesn't bring joy, right? But when you, when you touch life, who is life? Jesus, right? He's the tree of life. As we feed on him, life flows out of us, right? So anyway, and so if you can present to the lost, this isn't about being good or bad. This is about life and death. I feel like we can rip the stigma of legalism and moralism off of Christianity and people can hear the true message. The true message is Adam, because of Adam and Eve's fall, death started to reign. And now, and God's not into death. God didn't create death. God's against death. The Bible says God's in, death is God's enemy. And it's eventually going to bow its knee to the Lord. So our message to the world is not act better and do better. Our message to the world is you're in death, come into life. Y'all tracking me here? And, and I feel like that is more accurately conveys what's actually happening rather than us coming around with our little clipboards with all of our rules and regulations about people need to do this and they need to do that. No, I'm saying come out of death, step into life, and what's going to happen is you're going to start acting better because life's flowing out of you, right? How many you know when, when, when a tree has a healthy root system, fruit will be on its branches? Good fruit, right? How I many of we've got some good fruit that God's called us to bring forth? You don't bring it forth in your own strength. You just stay connected, right? And then the fruit comes, and it's going to come at different times. You know, I'm, I, you know I've got some fruit in my life that has come quickly. I'm, I'm still waiting on temperance. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I'm getting a little better. I'm eating less of all the cookies in the house. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting a little bit better. But, I'm, but my wife is an extremely temperate person, and so she's got this fruit of temperance that's on her tree, and I've got a fruit of maybe peace or joy that's on my tree that's pretty well developed. And, but, but just because the fruit on her tree is different than my tree doesn't mean that we're not still connected to the vine because we bring forth fruit in different seasons. Apple tree don't bring forth fruit at the same time as a pear tree. Stop comparing yourself to somebody else. Just stay connected to the vine and let life flow. If you're missing it in the area, just relax. Chill out. Don't grunt your way into fruit. It don't work. You try super hard to produce fruit. I mean, you, know, you walk by a grunting tree and you're going to run. <laughs> because it's weird. But, but how many grunting Christians do we have trying to walk in love, trying to walk in peace, trying to walk in joy? You follow me? You don't, don't, don't just chill. Like, it's relax. It's, it, this is a salvation mission. This is not a ladder climbing event, right? How I many of oh, God rescues you, right? So this paradigm shift really changed the way I view things. And, and, I, and I feel like it's, I don't know, it's just, it's helping me out and I feel like it's going to help other people out too. So we're going to do a little bit of review and we're going to step into where we're going today. And so we talked about it. God's primary statement to you is, you know, set before you life and death, choose life. We know that the death process began in the garden. Death was never God's plan. Even, to, even, even this week, I took Eli to the park, right? And I, then I was going to take him to get him some ice cream. Remember how I told you the last time we were together that he saw a dead bird and it disturbed him? And, and, and when I was going to take him to the, to the ice cream place, he was like, Dad, I don't want to walk to the ice cream place. And I was like, man, me neither. You know what I'm saying? Let's drive, you know, because the park is not that far away. And because it's hot, you know, why, why walk when I can drive, right? But as we get closer, I couldn't hardly find it. And I found, finally found a parking place and he was so concerned. I was like, what's up, man? What's going on? He's like, I don't want to see that dead bird again. I was like, oh, that's why you don't want to walk. And how many know death is offensive? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, little kids, they don't, they look at, they don't feel comfortable with death. Why? Because they didn't come from death. They weren't created for death. And, and, but how many know all of us, we've been immersed in death for so long, we're pretty comfortable with it. I see a dead bird, it's like, ah. Whatever, just as long as we don't smell bad in my vicinity or whatever. You watch death on TV, death, death, death's everywhere, right? And we get accustomed to it, but listen, it was never God's plan. 
It was never God's plan. Now, I know that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. I know God's had his plan of redemption in the whole time. But God is not the author of death, and death is not what God has for you. How many of you know some of, some of us may never die? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? How many you know in the twinkling of an eye, you can be changed? There's a generation that doesn't die. And as I look at the headlines and as I look at the scriptures, I feel like the king's coming. And I feel like maybe some of us might be some of those people that don't die. It's possible. It's highly possible. But what I, want to, what I want to develop within you, honestly, is kind of a hatred for death. Because if I can get you to hate death properly, then you'll hate evil properly, and you'll hate sin properly. I mean, that's like an unpopular phrase, hating sin. No, sin's evil. How many of we hate sin? We don't hate people. We love people. But sin kills people. You know, if, if there's something in my house that's harming my children, I'm going to hate it, and I'm going to remove it. I mean, oh, God hates sin because it kills people, right? And so if we can develop a passion for life, who is Jesus, and a hatred for, for, for death, then even when we're, I mean, you know, sickness is a form of death. When we're praying for people, we're taking authority over death. I mean, you know, aging is a form of death. Take a stand against aging. As my days are, so shall my strength be. My youth is renewed as the eagles. The blessing of Abraham. I'm not bowing down to getting old. No, no, no. I'm going to stay young. Why? Because I'm attached to the vine. Amen? I'm not trying to be unrealistic, but I'm saying there's some promises in the Word of God that I need because I'm a 40-year-old man with little kids. <laughs> i got to beat them in basketball all the days of their life. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I've got this promise with about life. And so what I want to encourage you, take a stand against all forms of death. I mean, you know, depression is death. Oppression is death. Worry is death. Fear is death. And if, if we, you weren't created for death, you were created for life. See, you already died. You've been crucified with Christ. You've already, you've already finished. When you look at scripture, scripture is so careful to, 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 I love how they use Scripture, because they don't call it dying. They call it falling asleep. Why? Because that's how much God hates the word death. Jesus said, Lazarus is asleep, and his disciples, not very smart, God love them, need the Holy Ghost, need Pentecost. They're like, Lord, he's dead. <laughs> he's like, yes, he is dead. <laughs> but even when the martyr Stephen, how many of said he fell asleep? What if God loves you so much that even if you were to expire, that you fall asleep before you die? What if? What if God considers you so precious that he doesn't want death touching you? It's possible, right? I'm not saying that it's appointed unto all men to die once. I'm not saying that. But how I many know that I'm just saying God hates death and it's his enemy. And if it's his enemy, it should be our enemy too. How I many know drug addiction is death? Right? How I many know pornography and lust? Death. All these things, death. No, no, we're life. How I many know the living look different than the dead? How I many, if you got life coursing through your veins and coming out of your eyes and coming out of your being? You might shine a little bit around the walking dead. And the walking dead might look at you and have hope because they see something different about you. Something about Jesus, there was life. How I many know when Jesus was resurrected, I think it impacted even the garden that he was in? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Because they thought the, the, they thought the angel was a gardener because it had flourished. Amen. How I many know there were other people that were raised from the dead according to Scripture when Jesus resurrected? Freaked everybody out. There's Uncle Tom. What happened? <laughs> Praise God. Resurrection life hit the earth, and death had to bow down a little bit. But the day and time's coming when, when death does an absolute and ultimate bow and gets dethroned. Right? And then there's no more dying. You're not going to see any more death, right? How I many there's no death in heaven? 
No dead birds on the sidewalk in heaven. No sickness, no aging. This is your promise. Your promise is immortality. The early church focused on this way more than we do. They talked about it all the time. We're going to look at it in Scripture. Immortality is not just a comic book term. It's not just for popular culture. It is in the book. It says that mortality will be swallowed up in immortality. You are not called to death. You are called to life. It's good news, man. And so, you know, we look in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Don't turn there. But it says, the devil has the power of death. I'll read you this. It says, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death, talking about Jesus, he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. So the, de the, the power of death was given to the devil. That's not something that's born of God. And then we also looked at how in, in, in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death. Right? How many of you know sin produces death, right? I know we've talked about all these things, but I just want to I I give a little bit of um, a review here. Because my ultimate goal is not to entertain you. My ultimate goal is to deposit something in you that's going to change your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Right? Renew our minds, right? And so I will read you this passage. Romans chapter 5 and verse 17 it says, for by one man's offense, death reigned through one, much more those who receive. I mean, your, your primary thing is to receive. I know it's more blessed to give than to receive, but it's more blessed to give horizontally. In terms of your relationship with God, receive. You just do the receiving. Have the, have the boldness to take what God has freely given you. Amen? That word, the word receive is the word lambano. means to take. Them strawberries back there. I mean, I've been telling you all about them strawberries. I tell you about them strawberries all day long. But if you don't go back there and take one, you're never going to eat one. You got to take it. And so you must receive an abundance of grace, right? There's more grace. There is more grace than you have the ability to sin. You do not have the ability to outsend grace. I'm sorry. Don't you? Don't you just? You're not that cool. Right? Seriously. Because like if you take all of your sin, it's like a teaspoon, and then you you dip you 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 put it into the Pacific Ocean, that's grace compared to your sin. So never never let anybody fool you into thinking that your sin is so powerful that you have the ability to offend God and get God to turn his back on you. Because uh, the cross is way too powerful for that. Now, I'm not saying you can't sin and die because you can as a Christian. I mean, we've been talking about that. I mean, you touch enough sin, it'll kill you. I mean, it can kill a marriage, kill your body, kill your ministry, kill your job. So I'm not taking away from, from the fact that there are, there are repercussions for your decisions and your behavior. Never think that I'm saying that. But I'm saying as far as God is concerned, your sins and lawless deeds have been removed for an eternity far as east to the west, and you're living in a perpetual state of forgiveness. You are no longer under the law, you're under grace. Sin is not imputed to you any longer from the judge of the universe because your sin has been imputed on the body of Jesus Christ. I will never pull back from that statement right there. I don't care who it offends. I don't care who it makes mad uh, because that's the cross. Amen? And uh, if I'm going to offend you, I'd rather offend you for the sake of the cross. But so good news is you're forgiven, right? And so they which receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, right? Now, how many know you get born again one time? You can't get born again over and over again. That's a fallacy. You can't come to the altar every Sunday and get saved. Sorry. You got saved one time. You got born physically one time. You don't get to do it twice. But you can receive the reality of the gift of righteousness on a regular basis through hearing the gospel, which is what I've actually been preaching to you here for just a moment. I'm reminding you that you're right with God. And you're going to need reminders for the rest of your life that you're right with God because you're going to, there's going to be evidence that testifies against that. What's the evidence? You. <laughs> your behavior will consistently fall short called being human, right? Not giving you a pass, not saying it's okay, just saying it's the truth. And so you need, that's what the gospel is. You hear the message of the gospel and it reminds you that your righteousness is not a behavior. 
Your righteousness, your righteousness is right standing with God. Your right standing is not based on your behavior. It's not based on your church attendance. It's not based on your giving. It's not based on your clothes. It's not based on your K-Love bumper stickers. It's not based on your good deeds. It's not based on your bad deeds. Your righteousness is a person. Zip code. You have stepped out of death and into life. If you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're in Christ. What does that mean? That means you're as right with God as Jesus is. You're no less right with God than Jesus is. If you are less right with God than Jesus is, then the cross is a failure. Because he that knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. He gave you his righteousness as a gift. You now get everything Jesus deserves if you'll have the audacity to believe the gospel. Now, everything I just said is the most offensive thing in the world to man-made religion. There are people who would take me out and try to stone me over the statements that I just made. But it's all right here in the book. You know? So, it's not a man-pleasing gospel. Man wants credit. You don't get no credit. The only person who gets credit is Jesus. He did it all. You didn't do nothing. And people who think that they've earned it don't understand it. Elder brother, out in the field. God love him. Praise God, I've been there, you know. Um, but the gift, those, those who receive an abundance of grace and receive the gift of righteousness will reign in life. What does that mean? How many know death reigns? How many know currently death reigns? You know, they're always talking about the oldest person. Oh, the oldest person. 119, 118. They're always Asian people. God bless the Asian people. They live forever, man. You know what I'm saying? They do. They just don't age. I mean, it's, it's so cool, man. I mean, I was, I was, Joseph Prince is like 70 years old. He looks younger than me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm not jealous. I'm not covetous. <laughs> I got the blessing of Abraham. <laughs> it's crazy. It's cool, though. But anyway, they're always celebrating someone who's managed to hold, hold death off long enough. But you're never going to see a man on the news who never dies. If you do, you're looking at the Inquirer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> One of those crazy magazines. Because death has reigned. But how many know God has a plan for heaven to infiltrate earth and to, un to dethrone death so that life reigns? And it's going to happen on a massive scale eventually. But how many know that it can happen in your life and in your house? That's what it says right here. They which receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. What is life, Jeremiah? It's love. It's peace. It's joy. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's energy. You know what I'm saying? It's vitality. Amen? How many know life is attractive? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? How many know we love little babies? Why? Because they're life. We love little kids. Why? Because they're life. We love green grass because it's life. I've reached a place in my life where I just love my grass. <laughs> so weird. My family makes fun of me. Like, you get to this point where, like, I drive up, and I asked them the other day, I said, have y'all ever, like, just thought, wow, our grass is nice? And they were like, no. No. I was like, and I'm like, not even once. They're like, no. Every time I drive to my house, I'm like, ah, oh, look at that grass. <sighs> Speaks to the man inside of me, you know. Like you just you go through these different phases. Like my next phase is where I have the the, the white new balance shoes. That's the next level dad. Like when you have we call them paps. Or they're they're Nike Monarchs or the White New Balance. You know what I'm saying? You put those on and you automatically go up 10 levels in your grill skilling ability. Like, you can take a hamburger and make it sing. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, personal, personal goals, right? Personal goals. Hallelujah. Some, some people know what I'm talking about. Amen. But, like, you, we appreciate life. We appreciate the blooming of a flower. We appreciate the strawberries in the garden. How I many others oh, there's life going on out back? And we think it's cool, right? Because we were created for life. We came for life. Death is not what God has for us. So they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. How many of you know legalism kills? How many of you know the letter kills? 
it will kill you. I have experienced more death in church than I ever experienced in the club. I'm not kidding, man. Like, I got set free from drug addiction a whole lot easier than I get set free from legalism. I'm still trying to get set free from legalism. And so, and so it, it, it can't produce life. Why? Because it condemns. How I many of you know condemnation is poison? It's poison, right? So they which receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. That's why we hear the gospel all the time, because we want it to continue to take in life. See, I used to be a very depressed person as a Christian. So depressed that I thought about taking my life. I can remember a time in my life when I was experiencing so much depression. I came downstairs and I sit down. I just remember it plain as day. We had a black couch. We had like a glass coffee table. I came downstairs and I made some oatmeal. And I sit down and I ate that oatmeal totally depressed. And, and when depression is looming over you, and I can just remember thinking how bad the oatmeal tasted. It just tasted like ashes in my mouth. How many of depression will suck the life out of every moment? I don't care how, how much the sun is shining. I don't care how sweet the ice cream is. I don't care what's going on. Depression will try to... It's, depression is, is, a, is a mind death. But do you know that through what I'm teaching you and just staying connected to the vine, depression is a distant memory in my life now. I forgot that I was depressed. And I think it was in here when God reminded me. Because I, I, I and depression used to be the greatest struggle in my life, bigger than, than the drug addiction and alcoholism and all that other stuff. Depression was the biggest struggle. God had to remind me that I used to be depressed so I could share my testimony. And so I want to tell you, if you're experiencing depression, you're experiencing insecurity in these things, stay connected. Keep drinking in life. Keep drinking in the Lord, and, and, and life will swallow up death in your mind. There's a way out. There's a way out, man. Uh, the depression tried to hit me again here recently after I had COVID. I got, I got COVID, and, uh, and I, was, I couldn't be around nobody. I couldn't be around my family. I couldn't be around my kids. I was isolated. How I many of you know isolation is not good for you? How I many of you, know you need to be around people? Yes, you do. I don't care whether you like people or not. You still need to be around them. You need it. It's one of the reasons we come to church and we gather together. We must be around each other. Amen? And, and so I got isolated, and, and, and then I just started reading all this science fiction that I used to read when I was a kid. I mean, I finished like a couple thousand pages of science fiction. And, uh, and, and you know, and nothing wrong with entertainment, but how many know those words are not the words of life? Had I spent all that time reading the scriptures, I probably would have come out like a calf out of the stall full of life, but I didn't. I just entertained myself because I was miserable. And, and, and I'm not against entertainment, but how I many of you know it, it don't feed your life? Sporting events don't feed your life. Marvel movies don't feed your life. The news certainly don't feed your life. Politics does not feed you life. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, I'm not a, and once again, I'm not like this hardcore stringent person. I mean, I like watching sports. I like watching movies and I read the news. God help me. You know what I'm saying? But like, it's not life. And so I fed on a bunch of death, and I was isolated. And you know what happened? Depression came right back. And I can remember I left my room. I finally was off quarantine, and I went to one of my son's soccer games. And I went in there, and, I would, and that dark cloud of depression was on me so strong that I was so insecure that I couldn't even hardly talk to anybody. I couldn't look anybody in the eye, and I sat by myself, and I felt like I used to feel when I was in high school, when depression was running me. What, what, what happened, Jeremiah? Well, how many know that the devil is a liar and is a punk, but he's persistent? I'll give him that. What is he trying to do? He's trying to, he's trying to kill me again. And so here I am, a preacher of you know, the gospel, wrote all, you know, wrote books on it, blah, blah, blah. Never think that you've arrived to a place where you're exempt for the enemy's attack. It just don't happen. You're never exempt. Like, he's still going to try to punch you in the face, you know? And so, and then I, and then I finally realized what was happening. And what, you know what I had to do? I had, and my wife helped me realize what was happening. And 
I had to connect myself to life. Like a like a like a like the, the hose, like the fire hydrant hose. Man, I started praying in the spirit. I started speaking out the word of God, declaring who I was in Christ, and it broke. It broke off my life. But that same pit was trying to take me again. What was it? Death. Mental death. Mental death. You know, we always talk about, and I'm we always talk about, you know, sickness physically, but mental death is it's, it's rough, man. I've been there. I know what it, I know. And, but, but here's the thing. Yeah, it's there, but it's not stronger than life. No, it's not. No, it's not. But I had to connect back to life, you know, and, and starting to get filled with the Spirit, afresh and anew, praying in the Spirit, worshiping. But really, the thing that really broke it for me was speaking out the Word. I had to stand up and say, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become... I mean, that's the sword of the Spirit. Never forget the strongest muscle in your body is your mouth. It's not your bicep. It's not, it's not your pocketbook. It's your mouth. God made everything with His mouth, and He gave us mouths. We are the only speaking spirit in His creation. Animals can't speak. They can't create. We can't. And, and, and don't let go of that truth. Life and death's in the power of the tongue. And so, man, I started, I took the hammer or the, the sword of the Spirit and I started speaking until I broke out. But how I many you know if I didn't start speaking, I'd still be sitting in that depression? Yeah, man, people can pray for you. Yeah, man, people can lay hands on you. Yeah, you can this and that and this and that, but I'm telling you right now, there are no words more powerful over your life than yours. You have the most powerful words. And I'm telling you, if you embrace depression and say that it's yours, it is. If you embrace anxiety and say that it's yours, my anxiety, my depression, my. If you embrace it as yours, you're lying against the truth. And God can't honor that. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, let I me mean, know, is Jesus depressed? Does Jesus have anxiety? Is Jesus sick? Where are you? In Jesus, right? And so, how I many of the Spirit will bear witness to truth? It's the Spirit of truth, right? So, if I'm saying something that's not true... The Spirit of God can't bear witness to that. I mean, you know, if I believe a lie, that lie becomes my reality. When I, when I set foot at that soccer game that day, and I know all those people, I know all those parents, I enjoy talking to them and fellowship with them, but I'd embrace the lie that I wasn't as good as everybody else. And you know what? That's the way I acted. And that's the way I carried myself. And so that lie became my prison even though on the inside, I'm wall-to-wall Jesus Christ. And so I had to make a decision to agree with truth and not agree with my experience. I'm going to say that a couple more times. I had to make a decision to agree with truth and not agree with my experience. Because until you make that decision, you're just going to stay where you're at. And that's the fight of faith. And you know, Abraham had to make a decision to agree with God that he was the father of many. He had to make a decision to agree with God. God said, I got to get to your mouth, so I'm going to change your name. And I'm changing your wife's name. Because not only are you going to change the way you talk about you, you're going to change the way you talk about her. And when you guys change the way you talk about each other, then who you are is going to come forth, and you're going to be the father of many. Amen. There's power in your words. Never let go of that. That's where the rubber meets the road. And I, and, and, and I confessed my way out of depression. And now it's behind me. It's underneath my feet again, where it belongs. Right? And the beauty of, of the way God does things is now I'm, I'm, what's the words? What the enemy meant for evil is good. 
You know what I'm saying? Because not only did God set me free from depression years ago, he reset me free from depression. What does that mean? That means he'll do the same for you. So what the enemy meant for evil is actually now good news. How many of us like that in every area of your life that, that God brings victory in, right? Let me tell you something. You have a testimony. Everybody here, God has set you free from stuff. Yes, he has. You need to share that with people. You need to talk about that. Don't just talk about your problems. Don't just talk about your aches and your pains. Don't just talk about politics and complain about gas prices. Talk about the lion and the bear that the Lord slayed through your hands. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. We're, we win, man. Period. We are more than overcomers, more than conquerors through him that has loved us, right? But this is your weapon, is your words, right? And so... Now we'll get to my message, 1 Corinthians 15. And I, of course, will shorten it dramatically. I've decided I'm only preaching an hour no matter what. Unless the glory of God shows up and then I'll be like, God, you got 10 minutes. No, <laughs> no but I just think there's wisdom in, in the way that we do things, at least on Sunday morning, right? I'm not saying God can't change everything and, and all that, but we have to be respectful of people's time and we have to, you know, whatever. Y'all know what I'm trying to say. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. It says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. <laughs> Look, I love how God just says sleep all the time. It's so cool. You should study it out in the scriptures. God hates the word death. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, and afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end. Everybody say the end. How many of the end is only the beginning, right? We get to end finite time and live in eternity, right? That's a hope that will keep you pure in the, in the days ahead. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father. When he puts an end to all rule, all authority, and all power. I love that statement. You know what that means? There will be no more governments. There will be no more man-made rulers. There will be no more voting. There will be no more politics. There will be a king. And whatever he says goes. And he's a just king. Because he's not just a king that wears a crown. He's a king that has scars in his hands who served you and laid his life down for you. So he is worthy to rule over you. <laughs> I long for those days. Amen. We don't rule ourselves well. We need a king, right? Anyway, so he's, he's coming, and he, he'll put down all rule, all authority, and all power. Oh, I long for those days. I long for that. See, people have seen him as the lamb, right? They've seen him as the lamb. Even the world's seen him as the lamb, the crucified Christ, the weak Christ, beggarly Christ. They've seen him. They've seen him beaten. They've seen him crucified, right? But how many know he's not just the lamb? He's a lion. There's no being on earth stronger than him. And the day and time will come when he flexes, and immediately all armies will, will fall to the ground. Y'all tracking me here? Every once in a while, his power just bleep out, even while he walked the earth. When they came to take him at the Garden of Gethsemane, I love this, and they're going to come and take him, and they're going to arrest him. They say, where is, you know, where is Jesus? And he steps up and says, I am, and they all fail. <laughs> He's like, oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> it's not time for that here. Get up. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's that powerful, though. But what's awesome is, Ultimate love is holding ultimate power. So we don't have to fear his power. We can rejoice in his power. Because he's not against his creation. He's against the sin and death that has infiltrated his creation. And, and whoever wants to can come out of death into life. But they will have to choose because he won't make them choose. He just, he's not going to do that. He's, he's going to give everyone a choice. Because if you don't have a choice, it doesn't actually mean anything. So anyway, and so he goes, For he must reign, this is Jesus reigning, till he's put down all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Ah, 
I rejoice in that. Amen. Now drop down to verse 45. It says, For so as it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last man became a, li- a life-giving spirit. I mean, oh, Jesus is a tree of life. It says, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. This is talking about the new bodies that we're going to get. The first man was of the earth, made of the dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Which is to our new bodies that are coming. This is the, the redeemed body that's coming, right? Because, you know, right now, Jesus, a, a, a man is in the throne room. Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father in a physical body. But it's a redeemed body. A body that can eat fish and walk through walls. A body that can fly into the clouds and play with children. This is your future. This is where you're going, right? And I hope, me, me and Ethan talk about this all the time, I hope we get to explore the universe. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, let's go. Let's see all the cool stuff God made. That's a black hole, you know what I'm saying? That's a supernova. Nova, Nova, that sounds like something that someone from Kentucky would say. That's supernova right there. It's not like I'm talking about an old car or something, you know? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My frailty is always, always present. Amen. <laughs> it's an earthen vessel. Um, but, like, but, but we don't have to be afraid of death as we explore because we can't die. You know? And so, I don't know. It's, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. The best thing that you have in this life is nothing compared to the lowest thing in heaven. Your greatest moment in this life is nothing compared to where you're going. And I'll say this also. Your greatest pain and your greatest sorrow will be eclipsed by the joy of eternity. Because we've all experienced a lot of pain and sorrow. But listen, it's why our song is different than the song that the angels sing. The angels don't know death like we know. They don't know pain like we know. They probably sing better than us. But our, our songs fill with the sound of redemption. Right? We got major notes and minor notes, right? Angels, they just got the major notes. We got the highs and the lows, amen? Praise God. And that's why our song is beautiful and our song is different, right? <sighs> I'm telling you, man, heaven's coming, y'all. It's coming to earth. It's going to take over for a little bit. That's what's going to happen in the days ahead. It's going to be so exciting. No one's going to be able to control it or make people pay for it or Take credit for it. It's going to be so wild and so free. It's going to be in the streets. and going to bust out the walls of the church. and Nobody's going to know what to do with it. The politicians aren't going to know what to do with it. People in control aren't going to know what to do with it. But death is going to start fleeing on every street corner. Yeah. Drug addiction and sickness and disease and depression and suicide and all these things. They're going to bow the knee to heaven as heaven invades earth going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to be awesome. And when it happens, we're going to be like then the dream. Because <laughs> many of us have known it was coming for a long time, haven't we? We've heard prophecies and words and we knew it was coming, right? Well, it, it's, it's on the doorstep. Praise God. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Oh, we just thank you for heaven coming to earth. We just thank you for all the young people in their rooms, scrolling through their phones, struggling with depression, comparing themselves with other people, never feeling like they're good enough, never feeling like they're pretty enough, never feeling like they're strong enough or smart enough. I thank you that heaven invades their rooms and reveals to them their, their, their value. Their worth beyond what their peers say, beyond what their mamas and daddies say. That they'd look into your eyes and they'd see their their true father and their value would be revealed. 
and depression and anxiety and drug addiction and all of those things, Lord, that they would flee at the presence of the king. Let the king walk into the room. Let the king be among his people. We speak to you, deaf. Where is your sting? You will bow the knee to the king. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. To the mamas who don't have formula for their babies, don't know how they're going to feed their children, I thank you, Lord, that you do miracles. Like you multiplied the fish and the loaves. That we don't have to look to our government to supply our needs. But we can look to the king. Let the king touch the bottle. And let it never run dry. Our supply is not born of earth. Our supply is born of heaven. Let eternal life touch lack and poverty. And change it from dry, dusty nothing to flourishing rivers of life. In Jesus' name. Let the hand of, the, of our Lord be upon us. Thank you, Father. Let there be singing and dancing in the streets. Let sorrow and sighing flee. Oh, at the entrance of the king, the worthy king, the worthy king. Can anybody sing you alone are worthy? We'll join with you. You alone are worth. How's it go? Come on, Sean and Paul. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on, Dan. You alone are worth. How's it go, honey? Come on, guys. We sing songs like this all the time. No, it don't have to be like that. Thank you, though. You alone are worthy. Oh, I'm singing the wrong melody. Praise God, I'm not a worship leader. <laughs> I was like, we don't know what song you're talking about. <laughs> we lift our voice in worship. We glorify your name. You alone are worthy. You alone of honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship. As we glorify your name, you deserve the glory, you deserve the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we glorify your name. You deserve the glory, you deserve the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we glorify your name. <laughs> I, slow, I slowly got it. I slowly got it. <laughs> the reason nobody knew is I was saying the words wrong. <laughs> oh, that's good, man. Praise God. Amen. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. How many of the kingdoms within you right now, right? The kingdom's within you, but it's actually it's going to invade your mortal, your mortal body and, and change it into an immortal body. And he says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. He's talking about dying. 
But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. See, that's your, that's your goal. Does anybody have a tissue? I'm struggling. That's your, that's your goal. That's like your, that's, that's what we're, that's what we're, that's our destination is immortality. Like living forever. Excuse me. I figure we're family. I can blow my nose in front of you, right? It's better. It's better than me just sitting up here sniffling all day. Amen. When you're a weeping preacher, you got to blow your nose every once in a while. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't want to be the weeping prophet. I want to be the laughing prophet. <laughs> Maybe I can be both. <laughs> but um, our goal is, is immortality, right? It says, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this immortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. This is, the, this is where we're going. Death is swallowed up in victory. And I love this because like he mocks death in this next statement. He's like, oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, Hades, where's your victory? Why? Because the living God has had to watch death rule over his creation for thousands of years. Death is offensive to God. But death's going to bow its knee. And it's going it's to it's it's bow to Jesus Christ. Amen? Then he says, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. This is the most important statement. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victory over death is through Jesus. It's only through Jesus. There's no other way. And you know, and when you start looking at the way um, Scripture talks about Jesus in, in life, like I'm just going to read you a couple of Scriptures in closing here. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? And I love this statement. This is so cool. Hebrews 7.15 and in verse 16, you have turned there, but he says, talking about this new covenant, he says, and it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest who has come, not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. Right? Endless life. Endless life. And then Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Right? And then I love how John opens his uh, letter in 1 John chapter 1. Uh, he says that we, have, that, that we have seen, that we have touched, that our hands have handled the word of life. Like Jesus was walking life. Jesus is walking life. Jesus will always be walking life. How many know that it's the word that created everything, right? God the Father spoke. Jesus is the Word. Everything was created from Jesus. All things were made by Him and all things were made for Him. So Jesus is life. And so this whole life kind of is a test. Multiple choice. Two options. I sit before you. Life and death. Choose life. Right? And... And so now we're not going to go there today, but what we're going to eventually start going into is how on a daily basis you make a decision to choose life and death, right? On a daily basis. Now, I just want to turn to Galatians chapter 5 real quick and we close. I got six minutes. You got to leave? Okay, it's cool. I forgive you. God still loves you. You're the righteousness of God. You're still blessed. The hand of the Lord is the pony. I'm sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. I'm, I'm always that guy. Amen. It's all, everything I just said is true. Um, but like in a, in, a, in a macro sense, in a big sense, 
death is going to bow its knee. But also, how many know in a micro sense or in your own daily life, we want death to bow its knee? We talked a little bit about this right now. How many know, how many know that, 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 that aging is not the Lord of your life? I'm encouraging you to, to, to develop a, a conviction on that. Amen? You don't have to. How many know people age differently? You ever notice that? And I'm not just talking about what you eat or what you, whether you exercise or any of those things. All those things are great, but like what you speak and believe about yourself is more important than what you eat. We talking about Jeremiah. How many of Jesus said it's not what goes in a man that defiles him; it's what comes out of him. If you are speaking death over yourself, don't be surprised if you experience it. You've got to speak life. What does that mean, Jeremiah? It means you're going to be different. You might be a little peculiar. But I'm, I'm not joining in with the death chance of aging. No, I will speak life. As my days are, so shall my strength be. Neither is my natural force abated, neither does my eye grow dim. Amen. I mean, you know, you, you, you speak things before you see things. See things. I mean, you know, Abraham had to call those things as be not as though they were, right? And, and so it's a promise, man, and it's yours. You, so in a micro sense, we got to take a stand. How many want to take a stand against sickness? So we all have a stronger conviction in that area, and that's cool. But I'd encourage you to develop a strong conviction in this area too. How many know we want to, we want to, we want to take a stand against lack and poverty and inflation? Like, that's not the goal. That's not how kingdom operates. Can I get an amen? Don't live afraid. How many know you're a tree that's planted by the waters? You're going to bring forth your fruit in its season. You're not going to be anxious in the year of drought. Right? You're connected to something greater than what this world has. Amen? And so we want to, in, in a micro sense, we want to take a stand against death in our daily lives. Now, the primary way that we do that a is through the scriptures, because Jesus is the bread of life and the scriptures are life. But the next thing is the Spirit of God. How many know if you will, and I'm just going to touch on this for just a moment, we're going to close. But how many know if you'll follow the leading of the Spirit, you'll put to death the deeds of the body? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? What are you talking about? Well, there are times when I'm talking to my wife and we don't agree. I know, it's news, <laughs> but just strap in, and I will start to say something, and the Lord will say, thou shalt not say that. <laughs> now, he won't say that like, like I just said it, certainly not in that accent, but, like, <laughs> but it'll just be down here. How many know that we follow the prompting of the Spirit? And I'll start to say something, and down here it'll be like, uh-uh. Now, there are days when I listen to the Lord. And there are days when I push the Lord aside and say, no, no, I have a peace of my mind that I must serve. I got this, God. I need you in the back seat right now because Jesus, you ain't taking the wheel, I'm taking the wheel. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Now, every time I've chosen my path, it's never been good. And yet here I am, 44 years old, and still periodically choose my own path. But I'm getting better. I'm getting better. But like the, the Spirit of God, because how many know that rage is death? And I'm not saying, and I didn't use the word anger because there is a place to be angry in the Spirit in the sense that you're taking authority. How many know there was a time when Jesus was angry? Jesus can be angry, I can too. You know what I'm saying? But he didn't stay angry, he didn't live in anger. How many know peace is your default setting? Right? Anger is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not like the 10th the fruit. You know, oh yeah, you can be mad every once in a while. You know, no. It's okay to take authority over something that's of the devil, but how many know it's not okay for me to take authority over my wife? Not if I want to live a long and good life. But Jeremiah, you're the head of the house. Oh, you want to talk about that? It's late in the game for that. <laughs> I'm the head of the house, but how many know it's a shared submission? 
If I love her the way Jesus loves me, then she has no problem submitting to my leadership. If I don't love her the way Jesus loves me, it's going to be difficult for her to trust my leadership. And if I try to rise up and say, well, I'm the man, I'm missing the whole point of that entire passage. I mean, you're never going to hear me say, well, it's that, it's that way because I'm the pastor. You never, you've never once heard me say that. You'll never hear me say that. Because if I have to pull out a title to express my authority, I don't have any authority. The, the authority is born of the fact that you know that I care about you and you trust me. So I don't need a title in front of my name or any of those things to have leadership. I mean, it's the same thing in the home. I'm not called to take authority over my wife. Amen. Right? And so I said all that to say your, your flesh, the carnal part that's still here, wants to do dumb stuff. Okay? And it's never going to stop wanting to do dumb stuff. Now, it's not you. And I love that. I think this is the best example of it. Anybody ever had a splinter? The sp How many know when you have a splinter, you are not the splinter? You're not wood, you're flesh. But you have a splinter in you. The flesh is not your physical body. It's really not. Your body's the temple, your body's holy unto the Lord. Amen. Your flesh is that part of the, that carnal mind. It's the echo of the life that you used to have. And it still wants to do dumb stuff. But it's, you have to understand it's not you. You have to, if you, don't, if you think it's you, then you're going to set yourself up for failure. Last night, it was really late. I'm shutting this, so I'll shut up. And I was really tired because we did an outreach in... Um, no, it wasn't an outreach. We did meetings with the guy named, with Ray Hughes and stuff down in Simpsonville. Awesome meetings. And uh, I was really, really tired and really tired. And, and how many know when you're tired, you might not be at your best? Amen. And I just looked at my wife and I was like, look, I need some ice cream. Like, I need lots of ice cream. So, yeah. So I'm going to go to the store. <laughs> I'm going to get some ice cream. It was late. She's tired, too. Kids are like, ah! Kids aren't tired. Ethan's tired. We're tired. Kids are just, like, bouncing off the walls, which makes us more tired. And, and so I was like, I need ice cream, you know? So I'm going to go get some. So I'm trying to go. I, I just want to go to the gas station and get ice cream because I don't want to have to go all the way to Kroger and blah, blah, blah. Well, I go to the gas station and have any ice cream. So I'm going to get some ice cream, you know what I'm saying? It's going to happen, and that's okay, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't feel bad about it at all. But as I'm driving, I'm feeling my flesh. I'm feeling tired, and I can feel all of the parts. I can feel the splinter. You know what I'm saying? And how many know it's in that moment when temptation will try to come knocking? It's in that moment where, you know, anger and all the things that are not the fruit of the Spirit will try to happen. But I've been in this thing long enough to know as I'm driving, that's not who I am. I'm just having a moment. Y'all tracking me here? And you know what it is? When, when I realized it wasn't me, then I can shift over to where it's me and God against my flesh. And then I win. Now, I'm still tired, and I still ain't feeling super spiritual or even super nice. <laughs> I'm cranky, you know? And, but I know at the end of the day, like, sometimes, I mean, you know, you got to pardon your humanity and know that it's an earthen vessel and quit putting so much daggone pressure on yourself. Can I get an amen, guys? Now, I came home. And I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't, I was all right, you know what I'm saying? But I certainly wasn't like this. But I sat on the couch and ate my ice cream. And it was great, you know? So I'm not feeling bad about the ice cream. I don't want to convey that at all. Praise God, I'm swallowing while I'm talking about it, right? Is that, is that salted caramel ice cream? Hallelujah, praise God. Some of that Ben and Jerry stuff, you know? Hallelujah, anyway, all right, all right moving on. 
the kids, yeah, and Lily, <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for Lily to see me with the ice cream, because I always loved to see her face with it, and then Eli had a little bit of ice cream, and Lily was in the floor, and she was sitting there and playing, and all of a sudden, she turned around, and she, she got up on her feet, and she was like, <laughs> I mean, she was like, <laughs> yeah, she, she walked towards me like I walked toward the cooler at Kroger. Like, I'm about to take some dominion over this right here, boy. <laughs> Hallelujah. And she loves it, don't she? She ate that ice cream. She likes it like I like it. God love her. But I just want to show you that just because you're in the flesh doesn't, just because you're having a, a, a moment where that thing's trying to rise up, it's not you. And don't embrace it as you. Amen? And, and what we're going to look at next time we're together is in those moments, the Spirit of God will put to death the deeds of the flesh. How? Back to what I was talking about with my wife. I'm about to say something. The Spirit of God's like, don't say that. If I listen to the Spirit, I put to death that carnal desire. And I'll stay in the Spirit, and I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Y'all tracking me here? How many know you can get better and better and better at listening to that and following that unction? Right? And, and so, so, yes. Amen. That's it. So, cool. Thank you, Lord. And we'll pick back up. But anyway, if you need to give on this morning, listen.